What if I had a show where I talked to an L.A. Kings fan that I had never met before and we discussed our shared love of the Kings, how we became Kings fans, maybe memories of Dustin Brown, and whatever the hell else popped in our heads? Well, that's next on this edition of Locked on L.A. Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked on LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you are enjoying this content. As you probably know, my name is Eddie Garcia. I'm your host of Locked on LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for almost 30 years. For the past 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network, I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show that's been putting out content for the past 16 years. And of course, a passionate LA Kings fan. For the past 30 years, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. We are two days away from the LA Kings finally getting the second half of the season underway. And of course, two days away from Dustin Brown night. And I'm not going to lie. I had hopes of getting an interview with a former Kings player and teammate of Dustin Brown to talk all about number 23. But that didn't happen. But I also have been thinking about at some point on the show, having a random Kings fan on to just talk about the Kings from a purely fan perspective. We've had Jim Fox on, Daryl Evans, uh, Patrick O'Neill. Um, we've had Zach Dooley, the Kings insider, Jesse Cohen from all the Kings men. We've had a lot of guests, but I thought it would be kind of cool if I just talked to a random fan. And But then who? Who would it be? Uh, so right about the time that I figured out I wasn't going to be able to get a player to join us, the talk Dustin Brown, I, I kept seeing some tweets from this uh, this Kings fan and they got my attention. And uh, he's, his name on Twitter is, well, West Coast Hockey Bias at Marcel and Rogie. And I thought, well, this guy seems like he knows what he's talking about. Seems like maybe he's an old school fan. Well, let's contact him and see if he wants to come on the show and let's see what happens. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, I give you West Coast Hockey Bias on Twitter. His real name is Steve Keegan. Hi, Steve. How are you? I'm random, so I'm perfect. <laughs> well, then that fits with what, what, what we're doing here. And I found out right before the show, you've never seen this show before. <laughs> so, well, you know what? Maybe maybe you'll you'll, you'll listen and, and watch from now on. But I learned but, a lot about you from the intro, and it sounds yeah. great. So, so I'm there. I'm going to do it now. Well, I've I have enjoyed your tweets, and it, it certainly does seem like you're uh, a knowledgeable and opinion opinionated uh, LA Kings fan. So that's good to, to talk to somebody who's like that. So some people think so. Some people not so much think so. But yeah. all right. Well, how about just the basics? Um, where are you from? What do you do? And how long have you been a Kings fan? Well, uh, um, I grew up in Agora Hills. The first five years of my life, I was. Uh, living in uh, Westchester and that kind of is connected to me being a Kings fan because my dad was a plumber and he was actually one of the plumbers that worked on the pipes that put in the ice in the fabulous forum. And uh, so when they were working on the forum, they, as a thank you to the workers, gave all the workers free tickets to a game. And my brother, who was nine years older than me, I hadn't been born yet. It was born in 1972. 
and obviously this was 1967. So my brother was a little boy at the time. My dad took him to the game. They immediately fell in love with the high-paced action. And as you know, going to a game is very different than watching it on TV, especially back then. And uh, so they immediately fell in love with it. My dad, uh, we lived obviously in Westchester, so we were very close to the Culver City ice rink. And my dad got my brother uh, skating lessons, and before you knew it, he was playing hockey. And uh, and uh, it kind of took off from there where we just became a hockey family and just sort of obsessed with it. My dad, every year, would go down at the beginning of the year, and he'd get tickets for as many Saturday night hockey games as he could. We weren't a very rich family, but at the time, tickets were cheap, you know, so they were trying to get people in the building. You could even get kids' rates for, like, $5.00. And so we would sit in section 10, colonnade, center ice, uh, and uh, almost every Saturday night that there was a there was a hockey game. And that's kind of like where it went from there. Well, that's very cool uh, knowing that you obviously, this has been a family thing for you. And, and this is something that you've, has been a part of your life since you were very young. Uh, real quick, just for me, I didn't get into the Kings until I was in college. I grew up in central California. Uh, didn't know much about hockey at all, but I was uh, a sports nerd. I loved everything about sports. And I think one of the things that turns people off about hockey is that they're afraid to learn something they're not familiar with. And that intrigued me about hockey because I, th I knew, thought I knew everything, you know, as a, as a kid uh, about all the other sports, but I didn't know about this. And so that really intrigued me and I wanted to know more and more. And then when I got into college, my roommate was a huge Kings fan. And uh, he started, I started watching games with him. And then the first year I really invested uh, in the Kings was the year they went to the Stanley Cup final and lost to Montreal. And getting that experience of playoff hockey for the first time, I was sold for life. I'm like, this is definitely something that I want to uh, be a part of. And I, I slowly phased out the NBA. And really, I haven't watched an NBA game in years now. And I'm like, all. All invested in hockey so much so that, like I said, I've, do, I've been doing a hockey podcast for all, on going on 17 years now. Uh, and, uh, you know, I work at Fox Sports Radio and I'm known as the hockey guy at Fox Sports Radio. So uh, it's been a lot of fun. But uh, I got I was a Gretzky fan. I mean, I was I, that is to say now I like Wayne Gretzky, but he was one of the big reasons why I did get into it. It was the Gretzky era when he came that intrigued me, got me interested. What's this all about? So I'm that's my era. Uh, of of King's fandom, I noticed on your Twitter account the little avatar picture. Is that a Rogi Vashon goalie mask that's on the there? Rogi Vashon goalie mask? He was my first hero growing up. In fact, I got a story about Rogi uh, related to my brother when he started playing. Uh, back then, you could go. Uh, the Kings actually practiced at the uh, Culver Ice Rink, and uh, we'd go in, and they. Half the city didn't even know we had a hockey team back then. So it was like not a big deal to just go in and sort of like watch them before your team went on the ice after the Kings to practice. And so uh, my brother was just like a little guy at the time and got a little overzealous and ran onto the ice uh, like when not all the Kings had come off the ice yet. And he ran right into Rogie Vachon and knocked him on his butt. And, uh, it was sort of like the scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm where Larry David leans his legs out. He's got like seats on the floor and he trips Shaquille O'Neal and breaks his leg. We all just sort of gasped and we're like, did my little brother just, you know, or did my brother just ruin the King's season? But uh, Rogie started laughing. He realized this little peewee knocked him down and everyone was like, ah, okay, he's okay. And Tara's ACL. So, um, 
but yeah, that was, that was, uh, and then, uh, so that was sort of my era. Like when I really started was, uh, Rogi and then of course, Butch Goring was, uh, my first sort of like, I was in tears when they traded Butch Goring. I it was, that happened maybe like two months after the miracle on ice happened in, uh, in, uh, in the Olympics. And, uh, we made that trade for Billy Harris, one of the worst trades in King's history, but don't get me started on, on <laughs> the history of King's trades, but, um, yeah. And then, and then of course, you know, Marcel Dion, triple crown line, all those guys, you know, Jimmy Fox, Bernie Nichols. I mean, you know, all the names. So that's sort of, uh, where I, and then actually it's kind of funny that you, I hear that a lot. I mean, obviously Gretzky did so much for the sport in Southern California. And like I said, made people aware we had a team and all of these things. Um, at the time, I hated the Edmonton Oilers so much because they were our main rival. They were our Smith Division rival. And, I mean, any if you've watched, you know, the the recap of the miracle in Manchester and everything, part of the reason why it was so great was because they were sort of snickering at the Kings and they were so arrogant and they just hated, you know, they were just showed us no respect. And as a Kings fan, in those days, I mean, you were just used to being so disrespected by like the east coast media that's why i'm called west coast hockey bias it's like they never gave la fans any credit for knowing anything about hockey like you know go watch the lakers you don't know anything and so it was just very hard to get any kind of respect you know for our team or whatever and so i think that was why that was so you know powerful when we actually beat them but but because of all that when when i first heard the trade for gretzky I kind of had mixed emotions about it. I mean, today it would be like if Sidney Crosby went and played for the Flyers or something like that. It's just, you're so programmed to not like him and just be like, this guy is just, every time we play him, he scores four points against us. And I just, I hate this guy, you know, he's so arrogant. And then, so then I was forced to kind of be like, Oh no, I have to like, I am sort of like Jimmy Carson's going to be the next Wayne Gretzky. Like, and we're giving up all these picks. And then of course you see him the opening day and, and you see how excited the, the 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 city is about hockey, and you've tried so hard to get people into hockey and trying to bring your friends to games. And they're like, Steve, I'd rather watch you walk, mow your lawn than go to a hockey game. I could not get anyone to go to a hockey game with me. And like you say, like once you go, it's a different experience, and you can't really, especially back then, like you know, didn't have HDTVs. There was maybe eight games televised per year on TV, and they had something called on TV. I don't know if you remember that, but it was like an over-the-air pay-per-view channel and you'd put this was sort of before the days of cable where you'd put like a, a an antenna on your roof and you could get an extra eight eight games of king's hockey so it was like you know maybe 16 games a year half of them were tape delayed you know it was just impossible to get people interested in hockey back then but now i mean it's just so different i mean and that trade really i mean a third of the teams in the league probably wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that trade so it's very cool to hear that perspective of somebody who's been there sort of from the beginning uh, to see where it's evolved now. I mean, I kind of got in, I guess, halfway, you know, compared to where you were. And then, you know, the next generation of Kings fans, the, you know, the Stanley cup years and that kind of thing. Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it, I will say this, when I got on board, when I, when they went to the Stanley cup final and, you know, winning game seven in Maple Leaf gardens and Gretzky has the hat trick and all that. And, I was like, this is amazing. I love this. And then little did I know that there was going to be a lot of bad times uh, after that. And and there were times where, and my poor wife is a 
diehard San Diego slash LA Chargers fan. And and she's, you know, she sometimes will tell me, do you think that I'll ever see a championship in my life? You know, and, and the answer is, I don't know. There's no guarantees we're ever going to see it. And I know there were times as a Kings fan where I really wondered if we would ever see a championship. And now we look back on it and it, you know, it's easy to forget about that in a way, but there were some very lean times there, but then obviously, you know, magic happened 10 years ago. Uh, and then repeated itself two years later, and it really has changed a lot of things as far as the attitude towards the Kings and things like that. And who knows? Hopefully we're building towards something like that again. But how do you feel about, as someone who's been a hardcore Kings fan for a long time, how do you feel about you know some of the people that came on board when the Kings won the Stanley Cup? Are you okay with that, or are you just happy that people are interested in, in hockey regardless of where they jumped on you know, their jumping on point was. Yeah, I mean, this is what I wished for my whole life was that I would be able to go down a, a, and talk hockey with people because the only people I could talk hockey with was my dad and my brother because they were the only ones that do anything. Now we have these great podcasts. We have this entire network of fans on Twitter. Um, my dad, unfortunately, passed away about five years ago, and I didn't have anyone to, like, have that hour-long conversation where I called my dad and, we kind of like discuss the world's problems and then we'd be like, okay, now let's talk about something important. Let's talk about the Kings, you know? And, and uh, we'd talk for about an hour and I kind of, it was, it was a major hole uh, you know, when in me, you know, like that I didn't get to do that. Cause it's like the scene from city slickers, you know, like, you, you know, when they talk about why they like baseball and they're like, I don't know. It's like, but when I was 13 and I couldn't agree with anything with my dad, I could still talk about baseball. Well, it was like that with me with my dad and hockey and going to those Saturday night games. And it was almost like church for us, you know? So um, I, I just, I, I just absolutely love it. I did. The only thing I, I, I I'm sad about is that we didn't really, you know, uh, capitalize on those, those, those on the, on these new fans who were getting excited after we won these, we, you know, 41, 41 playoff games in three years. I think if you counted that up, that's almost the entirety of the amount of playoff games the Kings had won for their history prior to that. And yeah. so for us to do that and be like, okay, we've arrived and everyone has to talk about us now because we're relevant. And then to be irrelevant for the nine years after that, I think it, it's really sad to me to look at the, uh, at, at, at the crypt and, uh, and see, you know, it two thirds full with like half the fans are away fans. It seems like some nights where they, it just, it's uh, you know, I, I was expecting it to just be like, take off and be like, this is what we are now. Like when, before Mario Lemieux came to the Penguins, they, they got, they drew even less than the Kings. Mm -hmm. It was not a hockey town in Pittsburgh. They almost moved a couple times. Yeah. And then when they started winning, now it's just like, well, I've always been a Pittsburgh Penguins fan. You know, it's just like, so I was kind of hoping it would be something like that, but it just feels like we sort of missed the boat a little bit and stayed bad a little too long. And now it's like we have some work to do, kind of rehabilitating the Kings and getting people excited about Kings hockey again. And I think if we don't, I think if we don't win a playoff round this year, this will tie the longest the Kings have ever gone without winning a playoff round. It's very hard to go nine years and not win a playoff round and generate any kind of excitement for a sport. You know, so I just, I, I really hope, you know, we take the next step soon and we make that big trade that made us relevant, like the Mike Richards move, like the Jeff Carter move, you know, you have to at some point be bold 
and take that next step and, you know, just, you know, trust, trust your drafting, trust what you've done and be like, okay, this is what we do. We get, we got to go for it. We can't just, you know, hoard picks for another five years and hopefully maybe one day in the year 2030, we'll, we'll have a good team. You know, it's a point you have to actually do something. So that's, that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Well, you've touched on it and we'll definitely talk a little bit more about kind of the current Kings and what's going on with them. But real quick, I need to let people know that today's episode of Locked on LA Kings is brought to you by FanDuel. And this year, it's the only app you need at your Super Bowl party, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. Uh, they have so many great features to make betting on sports easy and fun. Download the FanDuel app uh, and you can bet on Super Bowl 57 with the no sweat first bet feature. Uh, you'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets. If your first bet doesn't win, FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point, to point spreads. Uh, who will score a touchdown? FanDuel Sports app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. So uh, the Kings... Uh, Certainly are in an interesting position right now, uh, a team that certainly appears to be improving, uh, that appears to be on the right track. But I think the big question now, and I did an episode on this yesterday, was, as you mentioned, Rob Blake, uh, at this point, um, is he going to be bold? Is he going to be aggressive? Or does he feel like it's not the right time yet? I know like Dean Lombardi, as you said, had a plan, get these pieces in place. And then when he finally felt they were a, a piece or two away, go out and, and make those those trades to bring in those final pieces to become a Stanley cup contender. So you talked about being bold. Um, it remains to be seen what's going to happen. Um, but what are your thoughts on what uh, Rob Blake should do or will do at the trade deadline? Well, I mean, we still live in a league here that's uh, has a lot of parody in it. And you're seeing that right now with that, just making that one big Kevin Fiala move that we went from having the worst offense in the, league practically to now a top 10 offense i think last time i checked and uh suddenly our power play has turned around so it's just uh you can look at what the oilers did at the deadline last year when they looked like they may not even make the playoffs and then suddenly they sign uh evander kane and it was the difference in not only making the playoffs but beating us in the first round and so you know one big player like that can really make a difference in a league like this and, uh, you know, you just see, you know, what a difference uh, Phoenix Copley made just by playing at a level that was at the NHL level in goal for us. So now, like, what would it what what kind of a difference would it make if we got somebody like uh, Varlamov, who has a 918 save percentage instead of a 900 save percentage? Like, where does that take us in the next level? I think it's very hard to judge where a team's at when you're not getting good goaltending. Um, it just, it's because, you know, you can say like, oh, well, the, there was a defensive breakdown here and that's why this goalie gave up this goal. But at the same time, uh, a lot of times there are defensive breakdowns and the goalie saves your bacon. And so, you know, there, it, it's kind of, it, it's very hard to judge even the defense. I mean, there were lots of defensive breakdowns in 2012. That's like, um, that's like, um, uh, Jonathan Quick had like a 959 save percentage in the playoffs. I mean, there were a lot. There is no perfect defense out there. Um, I think the last time I checked, the Kings were giving up. I think 
the fifth least shots from the slot in the entire league. I mean, that's actually pretty, pretty good defense. Like, I don't think you can complain too much about that. They're going to make mistakes. I mean, especially the younger guys, especially when you have guys playing on their offside, you know, and, and they're a second year player. I mean, I mean, I, I, I get on Jersey as much as any of the Kings fans online. He drives me nuts sometimes, but at the same time, you have to take a step back and be like, this dude's in his second year. He's the same age that Jake Muzzin was when he broke into the league. Jake Muzzin made all kinds of mistakes when he first came up. And, uh, you know, you have to give him a little bit of slack because I don't think a lot of fans really realize what a big deal it is for a righty to play on the left side like that. There's so many plays where, you know, you can make a clean breakout pass if you're on the right side of the ice versus I'm just going to have to flip it out over the boards on a backhander just to get it over the blue line and clear the zone. And then, you know, it's basically a turnover because, you know, you couldn't make a clean breakout pass. So, I mean, I think if the Kings address those two issues, they get their three lefties, three righties in, 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 in order, maybe put a little bit of size on their, on their blue line and a little bit more grit because when you get into the playoffs, you know, it's uh it's a five on five game in the playoffs. I think I always think that the team that has the best five on five team usually wins. I think that was the case with the Kings in 2012 and 2014. And, uh, and, uh, but I think, I think the goaltending thing is, is the main thing. And, uh, I, it's 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 kind of scary because you don't want to do get into like a rental situation where you're giving up like a key piece for a guy who plays 20 games for you and then he's gone. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you can't just write off the season because you don't have a goalie. And, uh, I you know, they need to win a playoff round. They need to start making some progress here. I think uh, just from a financial standpoint, every home playoff game you play, generates between two and three million dollars worth of income for your franchise so if you don't make the playoffs you at a minimum you're probably going to lose you know six seven million dollars as a franchise and so if you don't ever advance past the first round you don't have to do that too many years in a row where it really starts to impact the 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 whole team plus you also need to just you need to start winning you need to start developing a winning culture you can't just like you know tank every year and then expect these guys to know how to win once you have like a certain amount of good players in your barn, you have to actually compete every year, I think. So I know a lot of Kings fans are having a tough time with the Jonathan quick thing. Uh, I don't know, you know, how you feel about it. Um, obviously professional sports. I mean, it's, it's a obviously results oriented business. And if you're not getting it done, but then again, this is a guy who is the greatest goalie in Kings history. Sorry, Rogi Vashon. Uh, uh, but but I, uh, I don't think Rogi Vashon should be playing either. You know what I mean? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I mean, <laughs> right, right. I, 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 there, this, you know, it's a tough decision and we don't like to see it, but at the same time, uh, you know, the reality is what the reality is. So, uh, sounds like you're, you're one of those Kings fans that's ready to th- thank you, Jonathan Quick, for what you've done, but it's, you know, it's time, it may be time to move on, right? Yeah. And I, I think a lot of it is, uh, I mean, this business of we're not loyal to Jonathan Quick, I mean, come on, they gave him a 10 year contract. That's so loyal that they don't even allow that anymore. I mean, they, you know what I mean? It's just, uh, it's, it's, uh, and the whole reason for the 10 years and, and the no trade clause in that, in that deal is the, it's almost like a given that at the last couple of those years, he wasn't going to be very good. And so they, you know, it was, and it was also a front loaded deal. I think the, 
I think we paid him $2.5 million this year. Uh, of, of the, the cap hit is 5.8 million, but the actual money. Mm-hmm. So we only owe him like a million dollars right now. Um, and he's a big boy. He's, he's a professional. I don't think that, and he, he understands winning and putting the team first. Yeah. And I don't, and, and that's why he's a good leader. And I, even if we had to healthy scratch him, you know, or, or something like that, and, and that, to carry a third goalie, I mean, that's just something we may have to do. I don't think that you can, uh, you know, just sacrifice with the other 23 guys that are selling out every game, every night trying to win, win something because of your ego or like, you know, you, you need, I mean, we're, what are we talking about here? He's going to play an extra eight games for the rest of the, I mean, uh, like I said, Marcel Leon uh, was, was, you know, an, an incredible king. I don't think anyone thinks of him as any less of a king because he finished his career with the Rangers. Do, do, do you? I mean, like, I don't. I mean, uh, there, there's of all the all the guys on that on those rafters that we whose uh, whose jerseys retired. Only one played every game with the Kings until, of course, we do Dustin Brown. But I mean, I just it's just oh, it's almost like a I don't want to say childish. I want I don't want to I don't want to uh, insult anybody because I understand the emotions of uh, that come along with you know your favorite player. But at the same time, it's like you know I, I don't I also don't want to see him embarrass himself. You know, I, I, I want to remember Jonathan Quick as Jonathan Quick. You know, I don't want to remember him as, like, you know, the, the famous example is Willie Mays, like, held on right. forever, and, and he just kind of was just flopping around in the outfield and couldn't mm-hmm. do anything, and it's just like, is that how you want to remember Jonathan Quick? But um, I don't know. It's it's kind of – it's hard It's hard because of the emotions of it, but that's why fans make terrible GMs. <laughs> well, know, I mean, you, you wouldn't know that by what you read on Twitter, though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's hard. I, I get criticized a lot because I'm very hard on the Kings, but I actually have a theory about it, and I'll tell you why I'm hard on the Kings because Lakers fans are hard on the Lakers, and Dodgers fans are hard on the Dodgers. And the two f- teams that I like, the Angels and Kings, the fans are so used to losing that they're happy with making the playoffs. And they have like, and they have very, very, if, if the Dodger, go listen to the Dodger fans. They could be for first place eight years in a row. And if they don't win the World Series, they're pissed off and they want to fire the coach. You know, oh, so, I, I work with a lot of them. So no, I, yeah, I, yeah, you're exactly. absolutely right. And, but at the same time, it's like, that's a winner mentality. I mean, like you're expecting excellence. And I think uh, there were, especially until we won the Stanley Cup, the expectations of the Kings were very, very low. It was like if the Kings made the playoffs and won a playoff round, it was a successful season because we could never win the cup. You know what I mean? And and I think that changed a little bit after we won. But now we've I see us kind of like going back into that where it's just sort of like, you know, you can't criticize him. He won he won a, a Stanley Cup with us ten years ago. It's like, well, yeah, I can't criticize him because that was then and this is now, and I want to win another Stanley Cup before I die. You know, like, I don't want to, I don't want to just, you know, this isn't like a trip down memory lane for me. Like, I want to actually see good hockey. I want to see, you know, the Kings. I'm a Kings fan before I'm a fan of any player. Right. Like, I, the King, players come and go. The Kings and the and the health of the franchise or whatever is what I'm interested in. And uh, so I think, I think actually, I mean, I, I, I think Rob Blake, takes way too much criticism in that I think he's done an incredible job. He was given such a bad hand. The cupboard was completely bare when he took over. We had probably the worst cap situation in hockey. And, 
I mean, within the span of like three years, he was able to like give us the number one ranked uh, prospect pool. And, you know, I think we're actually pretty set up pretty well cap wise for the future um, with, you know, between quick coming off the books, Kopitar is going to have his last year's next year. And uh, we got all these guys going to be performing on ELCs. I think we're actually in pretty good shape. I mean, it's going to be hard for every team. And I'm not too concerned about, you know, uh, the Cal Peterson contract as, as much as some people are because every it's almost impossible not to have a dud contract. You go around the league, everyone's got uh, – Dion Phaneuf is coming off the books at the end of this year. We start, we're we still paying him more. We're paying him more than, like, eight guys that are on the Kings' current roster this year. So, uh, you know, we'll, it, it happens, you know, but I think, I think uh, we can figure that out. We'll work our way around it. I got a Dustin Brown question for you, and maybe, and you're a perfect person to, I think, uh, give a strong opinion on this. But real quick, I need to also let our uh, listeners and our viewers know that this episode of Locked On Kings is also brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat and don't want all the fat and calories, you got to try it. Built Bar, they are so delicious that you won't know they're good for you. Uh, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. They come in unbelievable flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, and coconut almond. Uh, they have 130 calories, 4 grams of fat, with a whopping 17 grams of protein, and now all you need to do is you don't have to just order them online at built.com. You can still do that, but you can go to your local Walmart or Sam's club and they are in the pharmacy section. Uh, they also have, in addition to the new flavors, old favorites like cookies and cream, double chocolate and coconut puffs. Those are built bars, protein bars that taste like candy bars. All right, Steve. Uh, I have said, I believe Dustin Brown is the greatest king of all time. I'm not saying he's the greatest player to ever wear a king sweater, but I think he's the greatest king of all time. What are your thoughts on that statement? Well, he's definitely the greatest king captain. Um I mean as far as, like you say it's I think as far as uh skill, I mean that's that's a, a different issue, but um yeah, I mean like I think uh, I don't and I think this is the disconnect when you had people ripping on the Kings for giving him a statue. I don't think you know until you've seen like you know you were talking about earlier, I didn't think I would ever see the Kings win a Stanley Cup. I remember coming home, you know, driving down the 405 with my dad one time. I think we had just been knocked out by the Oilers and uh he's I was like sulking, you know, like nine or something like that, I was sulking. And he and he said, "Hey, he goes uh I still get emotional even thinking about this now, but he said, hey, one day we're going to win that cup. It's going to be sitting at that center ice, and I'm going to be there with you watching it. He goes, I may not even be around. I may have, I may, I may, may be in heaven, but I'll be there. You buy me a seat, and I'll be there sitting there watching it with you. And uh, and then it happened, you know. So, like, I I think uh, it was definitely something that, you know, I, I, I definitely questioned if I would ever see that. And uh, – I just think that people don't totally understand, you know, you know, I, 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 just, I, I, I talked about it the other, uh, tweeted out the other day about it. You know, it, the guy has had the most hits in NHL history as, as recorded since they've been recording it. And, uh, for all the talk about him being a dirty player from, uh, you know, Vancouver Canuck fans and everything, I think he was a suspended one time. Yeah. For Jason Palmaville, like, and it was actually like a reverse hit. wasn't even that dirty. And, uh, and then there was like, I think he had like a one game suspension. Just imagine like how hard that would be to throw over 3000 hits in the NHL 
with the force that Dustin Brown hit guys and not get suspended. You you would almost just by accident hit sure. someone in a way that you're going to get suspended. So Agreed. and and just uh, not only that, but to be that physical and to almost never be hurt and to uh, and I almost never saw him complain to the referees. I mean, that usually you see tough guys are always screaming at the right. What do you mean? I got to. Usually, if he takes a penalty, he goes straight to the box. You know, if he if he got lit up, he wouldn't try to fight anybody because because he got lit up. He'd be like, "You got me," and then he would right. try, come out and try and get him the next time out. And I just, oh, I just, I think that was my 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 favorite thing about Dustin Brown is he's just an honest hockey player. He just always came out and get six, seven hits every game lead the team in shots, just wouldn't give up. Even even in those years where the fans were ripping on him because he wasn't producing goals, you'd look on the score sheet and he'd have like eight shots. It's like it's not like the dude wasn't trying. He would come out every game and realize that people are paying big bucks to see him play, and he was a professional. Came out every night, and you'd, you'd see these tapes of him on uh, on YouTube working out like an animal, just like, you know, just unbelievable workouts this guy was doing to just stay stay healthy for as long as he did, and uh, and that's what leaders do. You know, they they don't like run their mouth. They don't. Oh, we're gonna. Da, da, da. It's like he didn't have to. He just came to work every day, whether it was practice or the game, and you just felt like you never got cheated watching the guy. And I just I think that's my favorite thing about Dustin Brown. That's what I'll remember him for. So. Steve, good stuff, man. Uh, really appreciate it. Clearly, uh, I think my, uh, I wouldn't say it was a random choice. I thought it was an informed choice, but you know, you've never, you've never physically talked to someone before. You never know how it's going to work out, but I think I picked, I think I did a pretty good job picking, uh, our first ever fan interview and, uh, really enjoyed hearing what you had to say. It was great to meet you. And, uh, hopefully we have, uh, we've turned you onto our show and you can, uh, you can uh, rip on me on Twitter uh, when I say something dumb and whatnot. But no, I'd, I'd love to meet up with you at a game sometime and talk some hockey. And I uh, really appreciate your time and sharing uh, some of your, your memories of the Kings and, uh, and Dustin Brown and everything else. Well, thanks, Eddie, and I will definitely check this out. All right. I appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much. And uh, enjoy. if you're going to be out there, enjoy Dustin Brown out or if you're watching it on TV. But uh, looking forward to it. And hopefully we'll have some uh, fun things to talk about for the rest of the season with the Kings. All right, man. Take care. All right. Take care. You too. All right. That was uh, Steve Keegan. I think that went pretty well. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation. Um, I would say based on that conversation that we'll try and do something like that again at some point. So I do want to remind you guys that you've got one more day to get your thoughts in on Dustin Brown. We're going to have a special Dustin Brown feedback Friday show. If you want to email me with any of your favorite Dustin Brown memories, stories, uh, just your feelings on his career. If you want to agree or disagree with me that he's the greatest king of all time at this point, uh, the email address is lockedoneddie at gmail.com, E-D-D-I-E, lockedoneddie at gmail.com. Uh, you can also, if you're watching on YouTube and you want to put the comments down below, I will read those and check those out as well. So looking forward to Dustin Brown night on our Dustin Brown Feedback Friday show. If you want to follow uh, us on Twitter, we're at Kings. Uh, on Instagram at locked on LA Kings as well. Uh, and before we uh, say goodbye, I want to remind you uh, to check out locked on NHL prospects. It's your daily podcast covering the next generation of hockey superstars leading up to the NHL draft plus NHL draft rankings and top prospect comparisons for every team locked on NHL prospects available on YouTube 
and wherever you get your podcasts. And again, if you'd like to follow Steve on Twitter, it is at Marcel and Rogi. And I would imagine you could probably do a search on West Coast Hockey Bias and find uh, find his uh, Twitter feed as well to check him out. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thank you for listening and watching Lockdown LA Kings. Have a great day. And as always, go Kings go.